Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Man, I'm pumped up. I hope you guys are excited to be in church today as well. I need to jump right in because I'm going to cover a lot of ground today because I want to talk about um, some toxic things that creep into our heart. Like if we really want to take the beginning of the year to put ourselves in a position for God to move in a great way, in a mighty way, then there are some things in our life, some toxins that need to be cleansed out of. Now, a lot of times when we think about toxins and think about detoxing, we think of it in a couple of different ways. One way uh, is when we think about maybe uh, detoxing from a chemical substance or like drugs or alcohol, you know, and there's, there's a detox that you can go through for, for that. Or some of us in terms of like a cleanse, like we got to get some like a juice cleanse or, you know, some juice fasting. And a lot of times it happens at, at this kind of time of year, right? New year, new you, you know, eat right, live right, garbage in, garbage out. And we're trying to maybe cleanse some things some toxins out of our life so that we can feel better, so that we can live better, uh, be more healthy. And so we're, we're getting ready for the summer. I know that's what some of you are doing. Sun's out, gun's out. That's what you're waiting for, right? Right now, you know, we can hide a little bit with some baggy sweaters and all that kind of stuff, but we know that the summer's coming, I think, at some point soon. But I want to talk about cleansing. And how we get healthy. Now, I've never done a, a juice cleanse. Has anybody done a juice cleanse? I've had some friends do a juice cleanse before. You know, where you put, you know, everything that you're going to eat in one of those, like, bullets or, or blenders. And you kind of blend it up. You put, like, a pinch of, of kale in there, a pinch of spinach in there, and a pint of Chunky Monkey in there. And then you call it healthy. You call it a smoothie. You're like, oh, that's, I feel so healthy, you know, drinking this thing. I feel so, so fit. I haven't done that, but I have tried to cleanse from caffeine. Even at the beginning of this year. Yeah, it was right. I tried to kick some caffeine to the curb. And so, man, I was like, let's go. I, I just, I've been known to drink a Mountain Dew, a Diet Mountain Dew or two packs a day. And so I decided that maybe I, I'm a little dependent upon this caffeine, you know, that I'm getting. And so I, I did it at the beginning of the year. Three days, I had these crushing headaches. Like for three days. And I was curled up in my office. I turned the lights out. I was sucking my thumb. I was like... Just like, it was, it was terrible. I wasn't fun to be around. I was irritable. My eyes were twitching, you know, like, you know, I wasn't fun in meetings kind of thing. And so because I love you, church, I am drinking Diet Mountain Dew once again because you don't need me preaching angry, all right? You just don't need that. We're all better off for it. My family is better off for it. But anytime we talk about cleansing some toxins in our life, uh, how many of you know it's hard? It's difficult. It's a challenge. And so detox literally means this, removal of toxic substances from a living organism. And so today I want to talk about removing some toxic substances from our life, from our, our heart, but not our physical heart. How many of you know you are a spiritual being? You, you have a, a physical, you know, you're a physical being, but you also are a spiritual being being in your spirit is alive. That's what God tells us. And because of that, I want to talk about detoxing from a broader perspective because you and I can easily get toxins into our spirit. Just like when toxins are, are present in our physical body, our bodies don't operate to their, their optimal, you know, kind of level. This is why athletes, by the way, are meticulous about what they 
eat what they allow into their systems because they know any kind of toxin, you know, would decrease their ability to operate at the level that they, they desire. Any kind of toxin would keep them from operating to their full potential. And I propose to us that most of us in this room are not operating to our full potential, me included. Most of us are not operating to our full potential spiritually. That the spirit that is alive in us, and whether intentionally or unintentionally, we have allowed toxins to begin to seep in and creep into our, our hearts. And it's caused you and me not to live at the level that Jesus says we are able to live at. The, the, the level he says is available to us, because in John 10, 10, when he said the thief is here to, to steal, kill, and destroy, but he's come, the Bible says, to give us life. And they give us life to the full for us to live this life that is fully alive. And then so I'm suggesting in order to do that, we have to remove some toxins from our hearts, some toxins from our, our soul. We got to take a, a soul cleanse, so to speak. So that's what we're going to do. All of us need this. No matter how long you've been on this journey, by the way, with God, whether you're just starting the journey, whether you've been on this journey for a long time, we all need a a cleanse. However, we don't just need to cleanse some things out of our life. We also need to replenish them. Because when we remove some things, we're going to leave a void. And if we leave that vacuum there too long, other things are going to creep back in, you know, the things that we didn't want in there in the first place. And so we also need to replenish them. So today I'm going to give you four things, maybe five. We're going to see how this goes before toxins that creep into our heart and into our our soul. And this is going to be more of a teaching time. So I would encourage you to get out your, your notepads, uh, get out your phone, take some notes, you know, bust out that Elevate Church pen that you steal. Uh, and just kind of, you know, use that. One of these days, we're going to have a prodigal pen Sunday and all the pens are going to come back to church, I believe. No, I'm just kidding. We love that you take those. Take those, throw them everywhere you can. That's awesome. Um, but you're going to want to take some notes because it doesn't matter if right now you think, Colby, I don't need this. Here's what I know. If you live long enough, there's going to be at some point in your life, you'll need this. And you're going to want to go back and, man, where did that thought come from? You know, where did I write that down? I need that text. I need that scripture reference to help me. At some point, you will need this message. And just a heads up, some messages are the encouraging kind, the kind that you're like, that's good. Preach it, pastor. Man, that's amen. Uh, so some messages, you, you amen. This is going to be less of an amen and more of an ouch. I just need you to know that up front. Even for me, even as I've been walking through this, it's like, man, this, this hurts. But in order for us to grow, how many of you know, sometimes you need to be stretched. You need to be challenged. Like if you want your muscles to grow, they're, they're actually torn so they can begin to, to, to develop. So this might be a little more, I'm not expecting a whole lot of amens, I guess. That's what I'm saying. All right, I want to start right here. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us, say these next two words with me, let us purify ourselves. Purify ourselves from everything that what? Contaminates us. Contaminates our body and our spirit perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. So the first thing I want us to notice as we begin to talk about detoxing and getting rid of the, these contaminants in our hearts and in our lives, this is up to you. Purify ourselves is what he says. It's up to you and I if we want to make this 
this happened. Now, of course, I'm not talking about heaven. I'm not talking about whether or not you are headed to heaven one day. That is not up to you. That is, you know, all based on what Christ has already done for you on the cross. But the way that you live this life, like right now, if you want that full life that's available to you, you want the life that God has for you, you this really determines how closely you and I walk with God. This determines if your my heart and your heart is ready and in a position for God to be able, able to move. So Paul says, let us purify ourselves. We have a part to play. Didn't say let God purify us. Let him, him do it. He said let us. So it goes without saying this message, there is a personal responsibility attached to it. So it means that you're not going to be able to wake up tomorrow and be like, all right, God, do it. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? No, you're going to have to wake up tomorrow and you're going to have to get to work. You're going to have to wake up tomorrow and you're going to have to put some things into practice. This is going to stretch us. Let us purify ourselves of the things that contaminate us. Paul is saying we need a detox. We need to get rid of these contaminants. Colby, how do I know if I am contaminated? How do I know if I need a, a, a detox? That's a great question. I think one of the ways we know is we start to realize what Paul realized in Romans chapter 7 when he said, hey, why is it the things that I want to do, I don't do? And the things that, that I, I, I don't want to do is what I end up doing. He's saying, I'm wrestling with this, this thing inside of me, that, this, this, this nature that I have. And in fact, he says, man, I'm a wretch. That's what he says. What a wretched man I am who will save me from this body of death. And he's referring to the frustration and the irritation that is in, in his life because of this push and pull with what's called the flesh, the flesh nature, our, our sin nature. It's the part of us that, 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 wants to, that wants to punch the person in the face who cuts us off on the road. You know what I'm talking about? That's our flesh, right? It's the part of us that does not want to forgive somebody who's, who's offended us. It's the part of our life that, that does not want to, to love the, the people who treat us, us poorly. They have this flesh nature, but the Bible says if you've placed your faith in Jesus, God tells us through his word, our spirit has been made alive with Christ. It's no longer us that lives, it's, it's Christ who lives inside of us. But there's this battle, and it's that spirit of God on the inside of you, the part that's going, hey, actually don't punch them in the face. You know, that's not a good idea. You know, maybe instead try loving them. Maybe instead, what does he tell us to do? Turn the other cheek, which is one of the reasons why, by the way, and this is um, the weekend we celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King. He was such an incredible man of, of God, such an incredible man of faith. Like he lived by this. He decided, hey, we're going we're gonna to teach people how to, how to protest, but do it in a way that's, <coughs> excuse me, it's civil. I'm going to turn this thing off so I can feel a cough coming on. You know when you can feel it coming on? <laughs> and let's do it in a way that, that still adds value <clears throat> is there to people. And so this is the weekend we get to celebrate because, all right, here it comes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Talk amongst yourself for a second. <laughs> You know, my bro brother's birthday is the same day as um, 
my younger brother is Dr. Martin Luther King's, and so that's why we celebrate. In fact, it's today, uh, January 15th, that we celebrate his, his birthday, and we, we give honor to a man of great faith. In fact, something very cool uh, that we got to be a part of last night was there was a celebration and a banquet for uh, Dr. Martin Luther King downtown, and you guys, Elevate Church, I want you to know this, you won a prestigious award. We were given an award for serving our city well, and that's through you. That's because of the way that you guys serve. And so it was an awesome event, but he lived by this. There's this nature inside of us, right, that wants to, that wants to you know, get mad and, and take revenge. You know, Paul says there's this war and the things I don't want to do, like I do, and the things that I, I want to do, I can't do. So what do I do about this? And he goes on to tell us in Romans chapter 8, it will be up on the screen. He tells us why this is. He says, those who live according to that, that flesh or that sinful Nature have their minds set on what the nature desires. It's fixed on that. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, they have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Look at verse 6. He says, um, the mind that is governed by or the mind that is controlled by the sinful man is, is death. Is governed by the flesh is, is death. When we think this way, when we live this way, Colby, that seems a, a bit strong, you know, to think, you know, this kind of leads us to, to death. Maybe it's strong, but intuitively we understand this because unforgiveness that goes unaddressed in your life leads to, to bitterness, which ultimately leads to nothing good. In fact, it leads to a type of death. Like, like somebody that, that, that you know, you cannot, cannot love well or somebody that's, that's not loving you, you know, well, ultimately it, it creates friction in the relationship and it leads to a type of death in that relationship. This is what he's talking about, leads to a type of death. So he says the mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind governed by or controlled by the spirit is life and peace. So what do we have to do? We have to detox some things in our, our life. We gotta get some things out of our heart. We gotta get some things out of our, our lives. We have to cleanse our life and replenish them so that we are more controlled by the spirit rather than the flesh. We don't need just clean eating this year. We need clean hearts beating in sync with God so that you and I don't miss out on a single thing that he has for us. Like, you know how many things I think we miss sometimes by not creating our, our lives as a platform for, for God to move because we, we have these things in our heart, these toxins and contaminants in our life that keep us, like this, this sin that entangles us, that keeps us from running the race God has. And because the race he has for us leads to, it says life and peace. And I don't know about you, but I would love to have more life and peace. Anybody else? Like this year, like even more than anything, can we have one year, which is just peace? Like, I, I would be so excited about that. So I'm gonna give you four things, and these are gonna be challenging. But again, the best things in life are found on, on the other end of hard roads, the other end of hard knocks, the other end of challenges. And so this detox that I wanna talk about today, here's, here's, in fact, what I wanna ask you to do. Do this for a week, one week. I'm not asking you to take these four things and like, all right, for the next year, you know, go after them hard because, you know, I don't know. We, we've done this before in the past in my family. We set all these new resolutions for a year, like 20 of them, and we got zero of them accomplished. And so I'm not asking you to do this all year long. 
I'm asking you to do this one week. And here's what I think. You start to put four of these things into practice. Um, maybe by Wednesday, you're going to be like me, curled up in a corner, sucking your thumb. But by Friday, I believe your spirit is going to feel more alive than it has in a long time. In fact, here's what I also believe. You're going to want to continue living this way. That you're going you're gonna to maybe resist this for a, a week or so, but after this week, you're going to want to continue living in this direction. So number one, the first thing I think we got to cleanse is this, write it down, independence. Independence. You might be thinking, Colby, why independence? Isn't independence a, a good thing? I thought I was meant to be a, an independent person. And the reason we think that is because we are raised in a culture that celebrates and teaches us to be independent. And to a degree, independence is okay, but to a great degree, I would say it's extremely detrimental to your life because independence teaches us that I'm my own man, my own person. I got myself here. I can do this on my, my own. And what it really teaches us is to isolate ourselves from relationships, from healthy relationships. Independence is saying, I don't need you. I don't need you, you don't need me, I'm good on my own, which is, is something that I personally you know, have to work on and not allow the, the tox, toxin of independence creep into my life because this, it's just the way that I'm wired. I don't really wanna go out and, and sit around in a circle and sing kumbaya with people and, and share my deep, dark secrets, you know, that kind of, that's not how I'm, I'm wired. That's not my natural bent, but in the kingdom of God, it's built on relationships. It's built on being together. If you ever want to be fully alive in your life, it will be the direct result of godly relationships in your life. People speaking into your life. Not being so independent. Why? Because, because there are days that, that I'm weak, that I'm going to need someone else to be strength for me. There are days that, that you're weak, that you're going to need, you know, I'm going to be able to be a strength for, for them. There are roads that I've gone down that maybe you haven't gone down yet, and you're going to need me to walk with you for a season to point some landmines land land out along the way. And then there's going to be some roads you've walked down that I haven't because we need one another. This is how God designed it. So I have to cleanse myself from this toxin of being so independent this independence mentality that says, I can do it myself. I don't need anyone. Like, I got this. No, I need godly relationships. Now, very quick, uh, I want to say, this does not mean you swing the pendulum the complete other direction to an unhealthy dependency on someone. Like, nobody wants that. Like, nobody needs somebody to be solely dependent upon them. That's called codependency. And that's not, uh, you know, that does not create a healthy heart either. And that's not God's design. It's got to be somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle. And I would uh, submit it's this interdependency. It means that I don't need you to know my worth and my value. Like, because I don't get my worth and my value from you, from a person. I don't need you to know my, my calling because you did not give me my calling. God gave me my calling, right? I don't, I don't need you, you know, you know to, to have confidence in my life. I'm not needing something from you, but I am giving something into the relationship. And you are giving something into the relationship as well. It's this interdependence. It's not independence. 
And it's not complete dependence, it's interdependence, which is why, by the way, we are constantly pushing, you know, hey, small groups, small groups, not because we want you to, you know, just you have to get in a small group because we know how important they are to your life. We know that, you know, if you get together with, you know, three to, to eight people on a regular basis and pray for one another and study God's word together, like you will be better off. And if you are not a part of a group and want to be a part of a group, here's how important it is to us. Email me personally, Colby at ElevateChurch.com. And we will make sure we find a, a group and some connections for you because we all need this. Like true friendships, real friendships, not, not like fake ones like, you know, you know, the guy, you know, in the office, in the cubicle, you know, that you really don't know his last name at all and you're kind of iffy on his first name. So you're like, hey, man, hey, man, right? You know how you do. Well, Colby, I got friends, you know, I know, you know, this, you know, so-and-so in the office. Yeah, but tell me about his family. You don't know how many kids he has. You don't even know if he's married. So I'm not talking about the, the people that you, you see in the line at Starbucks every morning and you give like the nod to like, what's up, what's up? That's not a friend, right? So you need real friendships in your, your life. People you can sit down with and say, hey, like I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm struggling here. And they're a safe person. They are a safe place for you to share and be your, yourself with. You need people in your life. Uh, I need people in my life that I can say, hey, you know, you have kids and, and you know, you, you, they follow God and, and you guys, you know, your marriage is still strong and you guys, you know, are, are making it. Like, tell me how you did that. How did you do that? We have to learn from one another. It's interdependence. Here's what the Bible says, Ecclesiastes 4.12. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, that's good, but a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And you should know that there is an enemy, that a spiritual enemy, his name is Satan, and he wants to, to take you out. And do you know who the enemy will target first? The one that's by themselves. The one that's isolated. The one that is apart from the pack. But it says, but two, man, at least now if you're, there's two of you, you can defend yourself. Two of you, at least you have a fighting chance. Three of you, Come on, that's it. You're going to crush that enemy under your feet. And it's interesting, the Bible teaches us, even though the word is, is not in scripture uh, specifically, but it clearly teaches us of a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In other words, God is saying there is community even at the highest level of the Godhead. But you think you don't need community? Like you got something better going on in your life than God? I'd sure love to hear about that. Right? We, we need this. We need this. We need a detox from independence. Here's number two. Write it down. Self-centeredness. See, I knew it was going to be this way. I knew it was going to be quiet in here today. That's okay. Because nobody's like, self-centeredness. Yay, let's talk about that. I don't think self-centeredness happens intentionally. I think just little by little, it begins to creep into our, our life. These little toxins of self-centeredness. We become self-centered, all of us to a certain degree. And none of us would say this, right? Because we, we repel against people you know, who we believe are, are self-centered. But it's just these little toxins that creep into our heart and our life. And, and here's how you, you know is when somebody calls you up and says, hey, can you help me out with this thing? And you're like, oh, really? You know, I guess so, I will. Why? Because it's about you. It's not about others. 
It's about you. It's about getting yours. It's about how, you know, what's in it for you. Like when my wife will ask, you know, some of our boys, hey, put away your laundry. Like, oh, you want me to put away my laundry? How much will you pay me? Like, what? <laughs> she did your laundry. She folded it. All you have to do is put it away. Pay you by letting you keep that, you know, those clothes that you're putting away. It's this idea that we are at the center of our universe. And in this selfie generation, I know this is what we get from all sides, but we are not. Can I just remind you, you and I are not at the center of the universe. Jesus, he is at the, the center of it. Everything revolves around him. And so how would it change our life if we decided, man, I'm gonna start to cleanse out on a practical level some of these, these, these tendencies for self-centeredness. Like it could look like this. Hey, maybe you even said to your spouse, if there are two to three things that honey in the morning, that if I can help you, that would make your morning go a little more smooth than it has. And you do it. Hey, check this out without even asking, you know, being asked to do it. You just do it. Can I tell you, do you think that might help your week a little bit? I think it would. Or what about that person at the office that, that is swamped and they have a deadline and it's not your area of responsibility, but you said, hey, can I take something off of your, your plate? It's saying, hey, this is not just about me. It's not, you know, the world does not revolve around me. It's not about what can I get out of it? You know, I'm gonna get mine. Who's gonna get the credit for it? Like, will I be noticed in this? No, it's what can I do for someone else? Like, I don't wanna live this life being self-centered. And it's so easy for us to, to fall into that because every song you hear, every media and marketing campaign in your life is all about you, is it not? What can you get out of it? Your happiness, your needs, your desires. I'm just telling us, this is completely contrary to the kingdom of God. It's not about us. It's about others. It's about other people. And the pushback sometimes is, well, Colby, if I don't look out for me, Ain't nobody looking out for me. And I understand that, but can I remind you that God says that, that his eye is even on the sparrow right now? And that if he cares to clothe the, the random lilies in the random fields with more splendor than all of Solomon had, do you not think he will take care of you? Do you not trust that God is a, a good God, that he have faith that he is everything that you need? I just think this is the way the kingdom of God works, that, that you take care of others and God takes care of you. So how would it change your life? Well, what if you detox from self-centeredness in home this week? Just this week, again. Or detox from self-centeredness at the workplace or at school or in your, your marriage. You know what I think? If you started to, to live a more other-centered kind of life, I think because the world sees this as being so radical, people would have no idea what to do with you. Be like, are you feeling okay? Are you sick? You know, what is going on with you? Because they don't expect this kind of, of behavior. However, here is what God's word tells us in Philippians 2. Do nothing. Somebody say nothing. Nothing. This is hard for me. This is a hard sentence, nothing out of selfish ambition, <laughs> nothing out of vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourself. And humility, by the way, is not going, well, I'm just a terrible person, nobody likes me, everybody hates me, guess I'll go eat worms, right? This is not what that is. That's not humility. Humility is not, is not thinking less of yourself. 
Humility is thinking of yourself less, is what I heard somebody say. It's just thinking of your, yourself less, thinking of, of others more. Humility is not beating yourself up. I'll never be no good. You know, I'll never amount to anything. Can I just remind you that the creator of the universe made you in his image? And if, if you want to go around beating yourself up, you are insulting the, the creator of the universe, God who has created you on purpose with a, a purpose. It goes on to say that each of you should look not to your own interests, only to your own interests. So check that out. Paul's not saying don't ever look out for you. Just don't only look out for you. Don't make it all about you. He said, but also to the interest of others. I think some of us need a self-centered juice cleanse. Blend up a little bit of God's word, put some spinach, kale in it, maybe some chunky monkey, blend it all up, and let's cleanse some self-centeredness from our, our life. Here's number three. You ready for it? <laughs> Negativity. Now, if when you see that word go up, your first thought was, oh, of course you talk about that. This for you. <laughs> Negativity. And, and listen, I'm not saying this is an intentional thing either. I think this just has the, 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 the ability to creep into our heart and our life. And it could be because of your past. It could be because of trauma or daddy or mama, you know, some things that you got going on. I don't think it's intentional, but it's amazing to me that we can be sitting in the middle of a pile of blessings and still have something to complain about. It's not, not, not amazing because this is all about our perspective and the way that we see things around us, the way that we see the world and approach the world. Like some of you, like you can be in your car and complaining and negative about your car. It's cold outside and my car doesn't have, you know, one of those heated steering wheels or, you know, heated, heated seats. You're in a car. You with me? Yeah, but, but you don't know. My, my wife has one with heated, you know. Okay, but you are in a car. Like, I'm 100% sure nobody walked to church today. Like, you rode or you drove to church. There are places around the world that we've been to and been able to, to serve at that people have had to walk three to four hours to get to church, and you're in a car. Yet it's easy for us in the middle of blessings to complain and be negative. But, 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 but Colby, all I see is, you know, the problem is, the problem is, the, pro the problem is all you see is the problem in everything that you see. Instead of the opportunity, instead of the blessings that are right there in front of you, why can't we see the possibility in it all? And this isn't something, again, you're gonna wake up tomorrow and be like, all right, poof, God, now I'm not negative. No, what did Paul say? He said, let's purify ourselves. Let's recognize that there are some contaminants in our, our life, and this is a choice of our will to purify ourselves from this. And if you have a behavioral pattern of having this negative bent in your life, this negative perspective, it's going to take detoxing from it. It's going to take a challenge. It's going to take, you know, forcing yourself to see the, the positive. Now, I am not saying you need to run around like you're, you know, with your head in the sand, like everything is good all the time. Nothing's ever wrong. That's not ever wrong. I'm not saying that. I am saying though, you get to choose what you see. Possibility or problem. And more importantly, you get to choose how you see it. 
and the attitude in which you see it and the attitude in which you, you solve that opportunity that's in front of you, even in the middle of difficulty. We have to choose to see the goodness of God. And you might have to mine it out sometimes. It might take some work to dig out of certain situations, but you're just saying, man, I'm choosing to see the goodness of God in the middle of this hard thing. Because can I tell you something too? If you're the negative person that's always just bringing the bad, whenever you show up, people duck. They hide from you, right? They, they, they don't want to be, be around it because you can bring the most positive room down just like that. You can suck the wind out of a room just like that. In fact, there are some people who are so skilled at being negative, you can take a funeral down to a lower level. That's pretty bad right there. I'm just saying, right? Like, no, we have to get rid of this toxin that's in our life. So how would it change your perspective if you woke up and said, hey, today I'm going to see the good in everything. I may be struggling. I may be in a tough spot, but I'm going to choose to see the positive. I'm going to be a problem you know, solver, not a problem bringer. I'm just going to choose to speak life over my, my problems. I'm going to choose to speak life into this situation. How many of you know that there is power in your words? That's what the Bible tells us, that there is power of life and death in our words, in the, the tongue. So if you feel like all you see is negative, it could be that all you say is negative. Does that make sense? There's power in our, our words. This is not like self-help stuff. This is the word of God. There's power in what you, you say. So maybe this week, let's get practical. If you struggle with a negative bent, try telling someone. Say, hey, I struggle with this. Will you help me? Will you hold me accountable, right? I wanna see the goodness of God in everything. I wanna see the possibility, you know, before me. You know, will you help me be accountable? And some of you, maybe you need to go home and put a jar on your kitchen counter and every time you say something negative, you need to assign a dollar amount to it. And every time, you know, you get called out on it, you put a, you know, a dollar in the jar. Some of you are about to go broke this week. You need to put whatever that is for you. Put a dollar in a jar and at the end of the week, come and bring it back to church. And no, I'm just kidding. Just go out, have fun with it, do something with it. But how many of you know, until you feel the sting of a behavior, you are not likely to change that behavior. Is that not true? Until that pain, you know, is greater in your life than the pain of the change, you won't change. And so sometimes until we feel the, the repercussions of it. So for some of you, it's a dollar. Some of you need to put $10 in a jar every time you say something negative. And maybe it's not, you know, putting money in a jar, but maybe it is every time you say some, something negative and somebody calls you out on it, you have to say three positive things, three good things that you have or three good things about your, your life. Just do something to purify ourselves. Because this is, this is pointless unless we, we walk out of this room and make a difference and make a change and do something different. Change the behavior until it becomes a part of you. Ephesians 4.29 says it this way. And this is, this is one of those verses that we're just constantly speaking over our family because we struggle with this. Four boys. So we want to not let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouth but only that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Not your needs, their needs. People in your home, people in your, your life, what's gonna lift them up so that it may benefit those who listen? 
according to their needs. But guess what? It don't miss this. It says, as you build others up, people around you might hear that and it might bless them as well. It might build others up. So you could be checking out at Wegmans, you know, and, and the cashier hears you say something positive about your spouse or about your, your children. And they're thinking, man, that, that blessed them. So you are depositing words of life all over the place. Just building one another, another up. And of course, not a too distant um, cousin to negativity is gossip. And this is extremely easy to slip into, but it is 10 times more deadly. In fact, here's a, a good definition of gossip. It is when a negative, somebody who's negative or negative about something is discussed with someone who cannot solve the problem. That's gossip. So that talk around the, the water cooler at work, you know what I'm talking about? The one that says, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Did you hear about Susie? You know, I heard that she couldn't, you know, hack it. She get, did, you know, do you know what they're making us do now at corporate? They're making us collate our, our reports, you know, by, by this. And, and some of that might be true. However, what you're doing is undermining the leadership uh, that, that sacrifice that put, you know, blood, sweat and tears into creating that, that organization, even at that, that level. And, and some of you would agree and say, yeah, that's right. That's right, Colby. And I get that. I get that. But people just come to me. People just tell me I'm just one of those people. Can I tell you something? The reason they come to you is because you allow that. The reason people gossip to you is because you allow them. You don't encourage them to go directly to the source as God's word tells us to in this Matthew principle that we're to go directly to that person, but you, list, you be a listening ear in their life. Like you are party to the problem and you are by default a gossip and continuing that, that sin pattern in, in someone else's life. Colby, that's strong language. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't, but it's not my words. This is God's word. Real quick, Proverbs 16, 28. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. Proverbs 17, wrongdoers e eagerly listen to gossips. Liars um, pay attention to, to slander. Proverbs 25, 10, others accuse you of gossip and you will never regain a good reputation. That's a tough one. Proverbs uh, 18, 8, rumors are like dainty morsels that sink deep down into one's heart. How I many of you know that's what gossip does sometimes? It's like, oh, that, that, that's so good. It tastes so good to gossip. It kind of fills you up. It's like this dainty morsel that gets into your, your, your life. Uh, Psalm 41 says, they, they visit me as if they were my friend, but all the while they gather gossip to spread everywhere. I mean, just, just search gossip you know, on your YouVersion app or, or search the word gossip in your, in your Bible. And I'm telling you, there's so much that comes up about it. And sometimes we'll, we'll disguise gossip as concern. Well, I'm concerned for that person. I'm just concerned for them. Okay, well, go talk to them. Are you with me? Well, you know, people just, listen, if, if someone will gossip to you, I promise you they will gossip about you. Negativity, negativity. It's so disruptive and divisive and it is a toxin that gets into our heart and our life and we need to cleanse it. We need a, a detox. Here's the, the last one I wanna give you. And that is sin. I don't know if some of you are thinking, well, I heard that before. You know, I heard this growing up. I'm such a sinner. You know, I'm, I'm going to, to hell. God and Jesus are so condemning. I want you to listen closely because every time we talk about sin, I want to make sure you understand what the word means. It's an archery term. And it just means that we are, we're missing the mark. And so we're, we're sinning. Like we're, we're, we are not 
we're not hitting the, the mark that God has for us. And so we need to repent, or you could use the word re-aim. If the, you're an archer, a bow hunter, like you need to re-aim your life. Like if you're, you're, you're missing the mark in this direction, okay, hey, that's not where God wants you to go. You need to re-aim your life. You need to point it in a different direction. That's what repent means, to change directions. So whenever God says, forgive that person and uh, forgive that offense, but I'm aiming instead my life at unforgiveness, I'm sinning. Does that make sense? I'm missing the mark. And God says, you know, you know love, love them, you know, but I don't love them. Then I, I'm, missing, I'm missing the mark. And there are things in our life that un- unintentionally or intentionally, like we develop these patterns over and over, these toxins that cause us to miss the mark. And why do we do this? It's because it gratis- gratifies our flesh. It feels so good to, to hold that grudge, does it not? feels so good to want to get revenge, you know, it, it, but it doesn't lead you anywhere good. So here's what the Bible says in Romans 6.13. Don't offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer them to God as those who have been brought from death to life. So stop aiming at the wrong things. Why? Because it's taking you down a road that leads nowhere good. It leads to, to death. Unforgiveness, we know, leads ultimately to death of a relationship or death of peace in your life, whatever it is. And so it says this, offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of, of righteousness instead. So I got to cleanse some things. We all have to cleanse some things out of our hearts and out of our lives, but we also need to replenish. And I'll have the band come help me finish this out. But Colby, how do we replenish? And I'm going to give you three real quick. One is God's word. God's word. Like, let me ask you this. If, if you ate food once a week, your body would start to break down, would it not? But a lot of times that's kind of the way we treat God's word. And God's word tells us that, that it is bread. The word of God is bread. It's nourishment for our life. But some of us, we only eat once a week when it's on Sunday or some of us even once or twice a month. You know, when we come, it's not going to sustain you. It will not be able to help you live a full life. And it will not allow you to to really replenish your heart. So we have to read God's word, be in God's word. The Bible says this, don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your, your mind. And the way he's given us to renew our mind is through reading his word. Just read his word. Here's what I'm asking you this week. You know, as you replenish five, five minutes in God's word every single day, just do five minutes, start there. I don't know how. You get the version app, go find a paper Bible, read one verse, meditate on it, just five minutes in God's word. And you know what it will do? Like not, not you know, after the week, but immediately you will get a return on your investment because that five minutes spent in God's word is five minutes that you're not being negative. It's five minutes that you're not being centered on yourself. It's five minutes that you're not allowing these other toxins into your life. So you will have an immediate return on your investment. Five minutes, Psalm 1-1 says this, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of God or the word of God and meditates it, meditates on it day and night. In other words, you just saturate your thinking. You just soak in God's word. Meditate on it. Not like you don't have to cross your legs and mm, that kind of thing. 
but you just meditate over God's word in your life. Like I'm processing it. What does it mean to me? And then the second way is worship. Worship. And I'm specifically talking about worship and song, but that's not the only way we worship. We know that. But worship, what if, you know, you did five minutes in God's word and then five minutes, you know, just, just in worship of God. I promise you, it'll change your, your perspective on the day. Worship, and then here's the, the last one I wanna give you, and that's prayer. You probably could have guessed it. This has been our week of prayer and fasting, and, and while some of you thought, man, this was it, this is over, actually, I want you to continue it on this week. Take these things, get in God's word, worship God, pray. Here's what the Bible says in 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, and it's almost like he's saying this to us, I'm not sure if they're gonna do this, but if you'll do this, if those who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn, re-aim your life, repent from your wicked ways, from these toxins that creep up into our, our heart. If we'll detox, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. And I'm just guessing some of you, there's some healing that needs to take place in your land, in the land of your marriage, in the land of parenting, in the land of, of your, your career, in the land of your calling, in the land of your finance, whatever it is, God's word tells us how we get that. He's, he's, he says, pray. Seek his face, repent, detox, replenish, right? Turn, re-aim. You'll hear from heaven and he will heal our land. It's available to us and he is faithful. Prayer is the key that unlocks the blessings of heaven in your life. And I don't know about you, but I don't wanna wait till I get to heaven one day to have God's blessings unlocked in my life. I don't wanna wait till I get to heaven one day to live this full life that Jesus says I can live when it's available to me now. And another thing you need to know is prayer is the way we, we push back against the darkness as well. It's the way we fight against the enemy who wants to infiltrate, who wants to constantly send toxins into our, our heart. And what does Jesus say? He, he doesn't say, my house needs to be a house of, of, of good music or of good preaching. He says, my house should be a house of what? prayer prayer so it starts there too so let's do this let's do that right now would you stand up to your feet bow your heads if my people and this is for those of you who also feel like maybe you're far from God you are not yet a follower of Jesus salvation is outlined in this 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 verse as well if you'll humble yourself You'll recognize that you are a sinner and you will call on God. You will call on Jesus. You will be healed, healed, saved, set free. Maybe you've never made that decision yet, but through prayer, through prayer, you've become reborn. You can become new again. You become a follower of Jesus. You can start this relationship with God. And I want to lead you in a prayer that does that. And then we're going to worship together. You can say something like this in your heart. You can whisper it. Say, Jesus, I, I desperately need you to move in my life today. I'm humbling myself 
because I recognize I'm a sinner. I'm far from you. If I will confess you are Lord and I believe that, that God sent you to pay for my sin on the cross, that you were raised to life, that I could be raised to a new life as well. And so Jesus be the Lord, just, just tell him that, be the Lord of my life, be the savior of my life. I need healing. I need you to restore, remove some, some things out of my heart, God. I need you to replenish them. And so God, we're gonna do that through your word. We're gonna do that through worship. We're gonna do that through constantly seeking you in prayer as well. So God, I pray as we go into just a time of, of worship that would just be so centered and focused on you and nothing else because we know it's your spirit that leads us and draws us to you, God. It's your spirit that leads us to, to repentance. It's your spirit as, as he moves in and out of our lives, God, that offers us the change that we need to live the full life that you have. So God, help us do that now as we worship you in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There'll be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.